Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, Stephen, today is a big day. Yeah. It maybe, is. maybe, honestly, maybe one of the biggest days of the whole year for us, I think. You specifically, but I think it has become for us, you know? Yeah, a lot of things have changed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is worth mentioning, actually. So we took a week off last week because I was yeah. doing uh, San Diego Comic-Con stuff for work. But, like, in that time, in that week off, like, a lot of things actually have changed. A lot of things changed. You and I have been playing a game called Sky, which we were planning on talking about originally today. Yeah, I- that's... <laughs> hey, that flew out the window. Oh! <laughs> oh, oh, hey! Um, I Sorry. got... <laughs> Awful. I got an Xbox One and Game Pass, yeah. and I'm, like, devising a wild thing to do with game pass which i'll talk about in the future it, and we were planning things on talking are so, about all these things things are so different that i forgot you got an xbox one me too which is steven my vanity <laughs> that's, what, that's what my bumper sticker says yeah there was gonna be a whole bit because like i for longtime listeners of the podcast a uh, longtime listener first time caller you may remember <laughs> that we had a funeral for my xbox one and i have now resurrected it from the dead um <laughs> so like there was gonna be a whole bit i'm sure it would have been very funny but then steven fire emblem three houses came out for the nintendo switch yeah, Your most anticipated game of the year. Definitely not mine. It was. I mean, I, I was thinking back to our, our E3 episode, and when you asked me that question, like what I was most excited for, it was kind of just because it was coming out this month. Like a lot of the other games were really pumped for at the end of the year. Yeah. And I, I had watched the, the Nintendo Treehouse about it. I'm a big fan of the series. I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to ruin my life. It was so good. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> if I told you how many hours I've played this game that has been out for two days, yeah, you would not do this show with me anymore. I think you would... <laughs> I think you would leave me rightfully behind. No, but it's it's um, Fire Emblem Three Houses is really fantastic, and we're both enjoying it quite a bit, as you can probably tell. Yeah, we're basically going to say that in different words and phrases for maybe an hour or two. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But just real quick, we're gonna do. Also, if I sound like a little bit sedated, I don't think I've talked to a human being in like a week, even though the game has been out for two days. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. We actually just discussed this. Even though I play this game a lot, I've also been like very socially active. I went to <laughs> I went to concerts. I had a great weekend. I got shit done. Yeah. It's like time is different. Things are things have changed. It's like my day literally works like a Fire Emblem character. It really can, feels that way. I can I can fish. I can fish all I want. And the sun won't set. But the minute I get lunch with Raphael, oof, it's nighttime, baby. It's bizarre. I have played this game so far for around 15 to 20 hours, somewhere in that vicinity. I have also yeah. done more this weekend for my life and the betterment of myself than yeah. I have in maybe the past month. I got my hair cut. I met up with friends yeah. I haven't seen in a long time. I visited my parents. I did all my laundry. Yeah. I cleaned my apartment. I took my recycling out. And somehow, in between all of that, I have slept a normal amount, and yeah. played 15 to 20 hours of Fire Emblem. I've gone for jogs. People say I have like a glow about me. Like Literally everyone I've seen this weekend has complimented my fashion. Mm-hmm. So something is going, <laughs> something's great. Things are different. Fire Emblem Three Houses is out. My acne uh, it feels like up. a curse. My 401k is full. I didn't even know that was my possible. Credit score, my credit score improved. I'm S rank with Brendan. Uh, <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into it, but it is like it is really good, and somehow things are... Hey, thing, it's a good summer. Why, why not? Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Hey, Steven. Yeah, what's up? Tell me and the viewers how we're doing this episode. We've done episodes like this in the past when we're like singularly talking about one thing, but how are we yeah, doing Yeah, we this? have, which we haven't done, I think, since Sekiro. So it's been like four months. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. So what we're going to do is uh, part one of this episode, we're just going to do like an overview of both of our experiences with the series up until this point, how we think this game kind of distinguishes itself for us uh, compared to the rest of the series and how it just stands as its own. Yeah. Spoiler free. Um, it's like a very spoiler free yeah. brief overview, like sort of with us personally. And then after the break, we're going to talk more specifically about like the houses we chose and all that fun stuff Yeah, and probably get more into the like plot. So we'll probably brush on the mechanics, but it's kind of hard to separate the two. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get of, what you're saying. But we'll, we'll try our we'll, best. We'll play it by ear. But yeah, this will be sort of a general overview. Next part will be specifics, and then we'll probably just keep going from there. Yeah, um, cool. So if you want to go in completely blind, again, maybe skip this one, but part one should be fine if you just have like a fleeting interest in the game. Yeah. Uh, then we'll talk about our houses and our decisions and yeah. uh, how things have changed. Yeah, so. yeah. If you're, if you're on the fence about this game, I guess, just consider part one the like, we're going to take you through it, because Steve and I are coming from... De- very different angles uh, to this franchise. So we are different houses, yeah. if you will. Uh, yeah, very literally. So, wow, holy shit! There you go. Well, that's you know, life's a pattern. Incredible, um, so- Stephen. <laughs> that's not a phrase. Life's a pattern. What is this? <laughs> you wanted to go first. That would be horrifying. Have- Sorry. Life was a pattern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I did want to go first because my my experience with this franchise is uh, much, uh, I would say, more brief than yours is in that um, pretty much what has happened every single time a Fire Emblem game has come out, almost every single time, uh, with the exception of the ones for the GameCube and the Wii, which I didn't even know existed until like recently. Yeah. So like starting with the Game Boy Advance, like first one, pretty much every time a Fire Emblem game would come out, everyone I know would get really excited about it. I've mentioned this on the podcast before but everybody around me would get really excited about it and then I would buy it and I would start playing it and I would get maybe an hour and then I would say I don't like this and then I would put it down and I would never pick it up again um, and that <laughs> happened enough. pretty much every single time um, I think Awakening being Awakening for the 3DS being the one notable exception where I got maybe four five-ish hours in before I stopped playing. And that was it for mm-hmm. me. I played, uh, I guess not Fates. What was the easy one? Birthright, I think? Well, they're both Fates, but it was Conquest or Birthright oh, with yeah. the subtitles. Yeah. So you played Birthright. I yeah. picked up Birthright, which was like the quote-unquote easier one of the two, apparently, from what I read. Trying to get into it again. Could not at all. I got maybe an hour into that game, and then I put it down. And then this one came along, uh, and I was like iffy on it. I really just expected to have the exact same thing happen like a millionth time with this franchise where like I was going to pick it up I was going to play it for an hour or two I was going to be able to talk about it with you on the podcast but I wasn't going to continue playing it for as long as I have and that is where I'll leave that for now I'll put a pin in that that's awesome well I'm, first of all, I'm really happy this one clicked for you and I think there's a lot of reasons why yes and I think that right off the bat we you and I talk a lot about uh we use Breath of the Wild as a qualifier for a lot of Switch games. We're mm-hmm. like, this is the generation of Nintendo that feels like they are producing the game of each series that feels like the fully realized version of those specific series intentions. Yeah. So like when we say like, oh, this is like the Breath of the Wild of X, it's like Breath of the Wild felt like this was what Zelda has always been trying to do for better, you know, uh, uh, generally speaking. Like, yeah. Big 
world to explore to find stuff and, and all that. And then you have stuff like Mario Odyssey, which is also kind of like pushing the Mario franchise a step forward. This very much feels like the same for Fire Emblem. It really, uh, it, really does. Like yeah. almost almost more than the other two titles I just said in a, in a weird way. Like it, it, it's a dramatic step forward. Yeah, I would. I think I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll also just really quick if you if you listen to the show and don't know fire emblem as a series just like in an elevator pitch it's basically a turn-based strategy game with rpg mechanics so it's very much like if someone made stratego stratego and never stopped adding rules to it (laughs) (laughs) if they made stratego but never stopped making it yeah uh, and it got like progressively more anime as it went on Uh uh-huh but yeah it's it's a turn-based strategy game that has like rpg mechanics so the characters level up, they change classes. Um, and a newer mechanic that was added, I think in Awakening, was that uh, the more characters fight alongside each other, they unlock like Persona-esque scenes together. So you unlock like side stories alongside the main story, and the better they know each other, they can like buff each other in combat and like fight alongside each other and stuff. And that yeah. can also lead to like certain romances. In Awakening, people who were in a couple, their kid from the future would come and fight with them. Like, yep trunks so you have like by the end of the game your entire army are like various trunkses from the future lucina being the the main one yeah Uh, awakening spoiler (laughs) but uh yeah so my experience with the series i had no idea what it was um i like a lot of people played smash brothers and weren't sure who martha or roy were yeah um and we were just told oh they're from fire emblem and then every smash game that came out after had a fire emblem character and i was always curious because i have loved rpgs for a long time um and i really liked advance wars uh, for the game boy advance yeah and i was told by people who liked fire emblem that advance wars was like made by the same people and very similar right but fire emblem kind of being a bit like again stratego that never stops uh yeah. so i was always kind of intrigued by it but i did like the the series came to the u.s pretty late i think the first game to be in the u.s was for the game boy advance yeah it was technically just called fire emblem when it came out here but i think it wasn't actually the first one or it was a remake of the yeah. first one or something like that it was like the 12th game in the series in Japan. I think the, the series goes back to the NES. So like, yeah, this is a long running series. But after that, the success of that game, I think like those characters being in Smash Brothers made people check out the game. And then people who like liked the series, they started adding more characters to Smash Brothers. It was like this like growing commercial for Fire Emblem as time went on. Uh, or just like interest was generating throughout time. Yeah, so totally. this is say in 2013, I bought a 3DS and I was looking for games for it and everyone was talking about Awakening. Uh, so it's like this feels like a good point to get into the series and I picked it up and I loved Awakening. That was, uh, as we have said in passing, the website we used to write for, that was my game of the year, 2013. Hot 2013 take coming at you six years later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I loved it because I really like strategy games i really like rpgs i really like games that let you have narrative control like how you play it change the story even slightly yeah um and i like games that have really heavy consequences for actions and that's like that's this the this game 
Awakening had all of that to various degrees of execution, but like I had never experienced a game before that like was simultaneously doing all of those things. And I loved it. It I I struggled in the beginning. It's it's definitely a good entry point, but definitely look up a guide because <laughs> the first time I played Awakening on the first level, you have like your main character Crom, who's the uh, the other main character, Frederick, who's his big knight, and Fred and uh, Crom's younger sister, who is the healer. And she's like, "Hi, I'm the healer. I'm here to help out." And like immediately got killed and was gone. <laughs> was just, like that happens so often in the past. And I'll get into how three houses are different, where they'll be like, "Hi, yeah, I'm the new character. I'm really good with the bow," and just immediately like smack, and they're out. Yeah, uh, it was so hard to keep like healers and mages and archers alive in Fire Emblem. Right. Uh, and oh, another thing the series is known for is that uh, when characters die, they are dead for good. It's not super daunting because usually, even in the past when the when the series is a bit more unforgiving, they only die for good if you like beat the level and then save. So like, if a match is going really south where you're just losing people left and right, like you're gonna restart it. Yeah. But there are times, especially in uh, Fates, which I'll get into, um, there are times where a battle has gone on for so long and you've done so well. And then like near the end, you lose someone. You're like, God, I don't know if I could pull this off again. Yeah. I have to just cut my losses and move on. And right. that, those decisions that the game forces you to make are why I like that mechanic. And I'll get into how three houses are different because of it, even though there is permadeath, which you can turn off, even though there is permadeath, I think they do brilliant things around the mechanic in three houses that they haven't done in the past. So anyway, before I go to uh, much into detail, Awakening was my first game in the series. I really loved it. I played through it multiple times. And then I picked up Fates years later. I didn't get it when it came out because I kind of felt burnt out from Awakening. Yeah. It's the kind of game for me when a Fire Emblem comes out, I'm not playing anything else. Like I just have to devote my time to that and then I <laughs> move on for X years. Like I don't even touch it or think about it for years. Yeah. Um, so that's what happened. My friend lent me Fates Conquest, which is the harder one. And there are three difficulties in Fates. There's normal, hard, and lunatic. Lunatic, honestly, is impossible. I, I do not recommend it. I don't think it's a pleasant experience. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who has played lunatic and done well, more power to you. It is insane. It literally is how it sounds it's lunatic yeah i've heard that there is a, a patch coming for three houses that is going to add like a lunatic adjacent mode yeah yeah which I'll, I'll get into how i think the difficulty is in three houses but i played conquest on hard and conquest is the harder game because they don't give you chances to like grind like every battle is a story mission mode yeah. and uh that game is rough like i got really good at fire emblem because of my time with conquest <laughs> um and i liked conquest we talked about it actually i think in pokemon khaki an earlier episode mm -hmm. i really enjoyed the concepts of the story uh the plot of awakening is pretty straightforward but there's a really great cast that kind of carries it i think yeah that cast um, is wonderful that's yeah. one that has Donald um, in it, right? Yeah, Donald's great. Yeah. Um, Donald's this like villager with a bucket on his head who's like yeah. secretly the best character. Yeah. I love that. I, there's a there are running tropes in the series and one of them is like characters that seem useless in the beginning are very much worth investing in yeah and characters that feel like way too good at the start are usually there to kind of help you like carry you in the beginning and mm -hmm. then they kind of max out early yeah so frederick and donald are that in awakening frederick has one of my favorite lines in a video game when he gets a critical hit he goes pick a god and pray and then runs at the <laughs> oh shit yeah <laughs> what a great line oh my god um, yeah oh my god Go don't get me started on Frederick. Um, but anyway, so Fates is really cool. I eventually got burned out by the game because I just found it to be 
so difficult. Like I got to the point where I was in a like being attacked by foxes and I was like that game if you make the wrong move your first turn you lose everyone <laughs> like right away and yeah. you just have to keep restarting and it's a great game and I'd recommend it and I think it does a lot of cool it's a really cool follow up to Awakening because I think it uh the story of that is you are Corin who's the prince or princess of this kingdom there's a warring kingdom that you find out you actually are uh biologically related to hence birthright versus conquest and depending on which game you have you side with one of the two kingdoms right. kind of a precursor to three houses with choosing your faction although thankfully with three houses they have it all in one game you don't have to buy both to experience yeah it. And there's actually i believe a third game in the there phase. is line like you have to beat i think both of them and then you can play the third one or you can play you get to the end of one of them and then you can do the second or something yeah like that. which that's just a lot it's a lot to yeah it's a lot to ask it's like um, if you had like to play I, pokemon red blue and yellow to get the full story right you know like <laughs> given fates fates and conquest are extreme excuse me uh birthright and conquest are extremely different other than the very beginning mm-hmm. um i actually i liked conquest enough that i picked up birthright i don't know if i told you that and i started a save on that Birthright is great if you just kind of want to experience the more social part of it because it's a lot easier. Yeah. And they let you like they let you spend more time with the characters. Um so that's pretty cool. But I actually liked the plot of Conquest a bit more. Um, yeah. anyway. Uh so I've actually only played those three games technically. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't played much of the earlier series. I've been always I've always wanted to, but I haven't gone back too far. But I've uh, Awakening was like a really that was a game I kind of checked out on a whim and I was so kind of impressed by it and it's like still one of my favorite games, I think. And so I was so excited for Three Houses and everything they showed of that game like from E3 and from the various tree houses just looked like they really went all out at least aesthetically yeah um i was really excited like this is the first for context this is the first fire emblem game that has 3d environments you can roam around right Uh, it's 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 always just been like dialogue boxes and character like and just picking list of missions for menus and stuff like that's yeah really been the whole game they added like a central hub in Fates, which was kind of neat, but it felt a little bit unfinished. Like it was kind of like there was like a social element where you could. It, it was just a little like there was a lot to do with it, and I didn't really know why. Like it was like you're giving me a lot of options to yeah. like like I can like make an opera house and stuff. Like <laughs> why? So three houses, I think, kind of like we've said in the past too. Of Nintendo sometimes having games that kind of test out an idea, mm-hmm. and then they like, go all out with that in the in the next game. Yeah, Fates definitely feels like them testing the waters to do something like Three Houses. Right. So that's my history of the series. I'm a big fan, and now I guess we can both talk about Three Houses. So do you want to go first, or I guess we can just both talk like back? And forth. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I I'll say before we get into it quickly, like the worth mentioning the reason that I I think I bounce off of this franchise so frequently um has been that idea that like i'm just going through menus until i go into a battle and then the battle is always too hard and then i someone inevitably dies and then the game isn't it's interesting because the game is hard and is constantly changing depending on who's dying but the way everybody plays it has always been that if somebody dies you just quit the game and then load up your save and then you start that battle again from the beginning and i i think that's really worth mentioning because first of all this game fixes that pretty much 
like whole cloth like that that problem is just gone now Um, yeah it is but also it's worth mentioning because again if you've listened to the podcast a lot like you know that my history with games and the games that i gravitate towards are generally like those kind of harder more like roguelikey or or dark soulsy kind of games the ones that are extremely difficult and then force you to continue banging your head against the wall and dying and dying and dying and then improving that way and getting better fire emblem seems like it could be that kind of game but has never really been that kind of game because they haven't mechanically built in a way to kind of like see to fruition the the vibe that they want you to have the the idea that that every person on your squad matters and if they die that that's it you know there was never like an elegant way to deal with that in the game <clears throat> excuse yeah. me outside of literally turning off the system that you were playing it on and then turning it back <laughs> right. on again like that's not a good user experience and what that always sure. meant was like if somebody died while I was playing it was like ah fuck this and then I would put the game down yeah so I just want to I just want to mention that ahead of time because this game completely turns a 180 on that and and makes it not only like better but like the best version of itself as you were saying yeah so I, I will say as someone who like I usually play on hard with the um with the permadeath on playing this game on hard is an extremely appropriate level of challenge for anyone that's familiar with the series I think that like it is difficult it is not brutal or relentless yeah and and something that you mentioned before that there's no longer the problem of turning your system off they added a mechanic that serves both the story function and a mechanical function where you can rewind specific numbers of turns so for example if during a battle a character of yours dies you can now use what they call divine pulse to rewind the clock a bit before that turn happened and rethink your turn. And yeah. that, I think, directly goes into your thing of like, okay, how do I get better at this game if the game's not giving me room to fail? Because if I lose a character, exactly. then, I'm, then I'm actually like doomed. Now, given in the past, especially in Fates, they give you so many characters, there's an eerie feeling of cannon fodder at one point. You're like, mm. I, I can't possibly be expected to invest in like 30 characters, some of which whose entire characters are one joke. Like, right. there's the dude who, you know, thinks he's a super superhero or whatever like i love him but you know you could tell that they kind of gave attention to a handful of characters and the rest are kind of thrown in whereas this game in your house you only have eight characters for most of the the beginning at least yeah you get a couple more you can actually uh if you if you meet certain requirements you can recruit students from other houses uh, which we'll get more into and like as as each respective story progresses you might get like one or two more but like i am disgustingly far into this game for how little time (laughs) it's been out uh-huh. And I have 10 characters. Yeah. I haven't lost anybody. And there have only been a couple battles that have been hard because they are, like, narratively a big deal, which I appreciate. Yeah. You know, because it's like, it makes me more immersed in the story. I'm like, oh, this would be a hard fight. There's someone who's called the Death Knight. Of course they're going to fuck me up. I'm going to rewind the clock before Dedu died. Mm-hmm. And because I cannot possibly think of a reality where I keep playing without him. Yeah. So it's just a great mechanic. And as you play the game, you get... It's a, there's a finite number. Uh, in the beginning, I think you can do it up to two. I think it's two or three times. At this point, I can do it up to six. So, like, oh wow, there's cool. 
there's a pretty wide margin for error. That's why I think I, if anyone has played a Fire Emblem game before, or if you gravitate towards the style that, that I do um, subjectively, I think hard you'll find very enjoyable because it's not going to be, like you're not going to lose someone turn one. The game lets you have room to kind of breathe a bit. But if you do lose someone more than half the time, you'll be able to rewind the clock. And I've yet to encounter a battle where I've gotten far enough that I actually think it's wise to like progress without someone, you yeah. know, like, to commit to someone not making it. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. imagine letting anyone die. Yeah, and I think I think it's because this game, uh, we'll, we'll kind of now get into it, the structure of this game, both narratively, out of combat and in combat, the whole game is you investing in your students. Like when you're when yeah. you're uh, not in battles, there is now this giant, very Hogwarts adjacent school mm-hmm. to the point where there are owls. Like the once there was an owl that flew by me, I'm like, you aren't even trying. <laughs> the di- yeah, the dining hall is like like literally. Uh, it's 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 great. I love it, but it's extremely Hogwarts. I think that's resonating with people because the academy setting is like the perfect kind of hub for this kind of game. Mm-hmm. And so you are a professor, you choose one of the three houses to be like the mentor of. Um, So once a week, you get to mentor your students and you can either do it automatically or you can instruct them manually where you literally tell them what skills to focus on. Right. And various skills will give them different passive abilities. And also certain classes require a certain mastery of skills to progress to. So like if I want to make Ingrid a Pegasus Knight, for example, Mm -hmm. she needs to have certain grades in those specific skills right in flying and in either sword or lance depending on what you want them to be using yeah you can also assign them group work where there'll be a little scene where those students bond and they'll you know i think there's like weeding the garden there's tending the stables or there's like being on guard on pegasus or pegasi i guess yeah pegasi watch that's a great (laughs) name or something that's our band name uh but so that's really cool. And then as the lecture begins, the students might be like, hey, I know my goal is right now to focus on swords and shields, but uh, I actually want to be this class. Like, can I do this instead? And you can say yes or no. Right. And sometimes it's like really worth considering because every character has the class that they are kind of visibly foreshadowing to you mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the way they talk or in their stats. But there is always it's always worth thinking a little bit outside the box and also thinking about like what you want on your team. Because again, you only have these eight characters and because the game asks you to invest so much time in them, both with their stats and with them as characters, like getting to know them in these scenes that unlock. And, and, and this time the side scenes feel a lot more important to the story. There are some silly ones and there are some just objectively bad ones. Everything with Sylvain, I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, you know what? I'll save that for the next segment. Cause it's just a general overview, Yeah. but I will give a warning uh, in the blue line. Sylvain is the absolute worst character, but anyway, <laughs> um, the game asks you to invest more than ever has in the cast. And I think it's great that they've built so many mechanics around keeping them alive. Yeah. And a lot of the plot so far seems, which we'll get more into, but seems to be about like dealing with grief and how appropriate is it to like be set on revenge after losing someone you love. And the Mm -hmm. fact that that game makes you do that, but gives you the ability to say no to fate instead. Yeah. But then might give you the times where you actually can't. And how do you deal with that? Right. Um, I think is really brilliant. So, but, but outside of that kind of thematic importance, I think having, and this is probably what I think you're resonating with is like, you just said earlier that this game has always just been navigating menus and then the battles. Now half the game, if not more than half of it is sort of like very like 
persona where there's literally the calendar system you have a certain number of actions you can do per day you can explore the monastery you can talk to literally everybody there are quests you can do for them uh you can eat in the dining hall with them you can cook with them you go fishing you can go gardening hey there's that hey welcome to the monastery you can do anything (laughs) um Mm -hmm. literally there's so much to do it's it's overwhelming it's amazing how much there is to do given that this game has never had anything any of that stuff yeah other than like the support dialogue system. So that makes the game so much more immersive. And that also really helps a lot of the sort of pacifist questions the game is asking in the story and a lot of, or not pacifist questions, but there seems to be a pacifist theme with the game and a lot of questions about like the morality of war and having so much of the game let you spend time with these people as people really aids that question. Because you're like, I care more about this than I care about, you know, them as a knight. Or, mm-hmm. or you might, you might. The game yeah. lets you choose. So I think the monastery stuff is fantastic. I love it, and I think you're. Uh, I, I'd like to hear how you're enjoying it. Yeah, um, I'll I'll say right up front. So having played all of the other games on normal mode with permadeath, this is the first one that I'm playing on normal instead of hard mode without permadeath. I'm not playing with permadeath, but with the the rule that I'm still not going to let anyone die. That's like the thing that I set for myself. And like maybe okay, cool. if I, I like make that. it to the end of the game and I liked it, you know, maybe I'll go back, play normal again, but with permadeath and then try it again. But uh, right now I'm playing normal mode, no permadeath. Um, I pretty much just wanted to remove any of the barriers that would prevent me from wanting to continue playing this game. I really wanted to give it, give it more of a fair shot than I ever have with any of the other games because I never really had a reason to continue playing them. So I guess thank God for this podcast in that way. Um, uh, that I'm like <laughs> really taking the time to to play it. Um, so just right up front, that's how I'm playing it. Honestly, those of you listening who maybe have or have not played a Fire Emblem game, play it however you want. Don't let people dunk yeah, on you for, for sure. playing it different ways. Um, Absolutely. J- just yeah. do whatever makes you happy. If the idea of somebody dying and you never getting to see them again stresses you out, then turn permadeath off or set weird limits for yourself like I am. So just want to get that out of the way. Uh, right up front. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So with that out of the way, um, this this game is f- uh, just amazing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, you could hear it. Like, we both have a weird tone to our voices this episode. I think it's just things are different now. We have fallen in love with this game <laughs> in, in a very strange way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I, I, it's like um, if this was a movie podcast and we were like, doing the episode the week Citizen Kane came out. Like, <laughs> it's like, right, how do you right. even talk about it, I guess? Yeah. Not not to pull the fucking most cliche reference ever, but yeah, it's it's really, really incredible. I, I'm pretty blown away by it, and you are absolutely correct in that it really is the monastery and exploring the monastery and getting to know the students and all that stuff that is really drawing me into it in a way that this franchise never has before. Because all of that dialogue has been there in the past, but again, it was about navigating menus and making sure that if you were in a battle that you had two specific characters fighting one enemy while they were standing next to each other so they could get a support rank up so then you could go back to whatever the hub was and then you could have a conversation between those two based on that battle. That was all like a lot to deal with and it was like too much juggling to really to really ever like allow me to to sink my teeth into it and to like remember that that's what I was supposed to be doing at any given time. Because at the end of the day, whenever I was battling in other games, in other Fire Emblem games and in Advance Wars, 
even, and in any kind of game that is like this, for me, it is 100% about survival. It's 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 about not dying over like min-maxing the support relationships between two characters oh, yeah. that I want to fall for in sure. love and have a child who's going to come back from the future. You know, like <laughs> right. that w- that was never the concern for me, and that meant that I was missing out on the thing that it turns out I love about this game, and the thing I always thought I would love about this game, but could never actually actively engage with because the game was getting in its own way. Three Houses, on the other hand, has completely divvied up those two things. You still have the support stuff that happens if there's two people fighting next to each other in a battle, and that'll raise their support rank, and that's all great. And you get a lot of lovely conversations, and I've had a lot of them happen kind of organically in a way that I've never had in previous games, yeah. um, mainly because I find myself battling more than I than I need to, which we can get into a little bit later. But I, I think you are right that this game is mostly hanging out in the monastery and talking to people and, and you know, retrieving lost items and giving gifts and fishing and gardening. And battling is almost an afterthought. You know, it's like, it's like story above all else, then exploratory, like just existing in the world. And then after that, it's battling, which progress, which, you know, actually progresses the story in some instances. Yeah. I mean, I think what I really like about it is they both help the other. It's again, yes. I've, I've drawn a lot of uh, comparisons to Persona. And I think that this franchise really benefits from adopting that. I mean, even to the point where the, uh, the person who's like inside your head is the same voice actress as Morgana from Persona 5. Like yeah. literally some, sometimes similar like lines too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I could have sworn they called me Joker a few times. <laughs> Actually, a key point that I think I want to make about this game is that I think that it's doing all of the stuff that I wanted to love Persona for better than Persona ever has as well. Oh, wow. I am enjoying all of the stuff that like people go to Persona for, like the, those um, relationship building moments, those conversations, that story, like all that stuff I'm having a more interesting time exploring in three yeah. houses than I ever have. Like Persona 4, I've played like a big chunk of Persona 5, not as much. Um, but I always bounced off of those games as well because I always got weighed down by, you know, what should I be spending my time doing today? Should I be battling? Should I be, you know, raising these links? What do I even get out of that? Because the game doesn't really explain any of it. And if it does, it's like so many paragraphs of text that it's like hard to really like grok what you're supposed to be doing. This game is so streamlined. For the first time, Time, there's like an actual like real tutorial that's like it's incredible bringing this series you, yeah. has never ever like it has been the most obtuse game to learn of yeah. all time like, they'll tell you that they're, they'll tell you what the weapon triangle is in the previous games that's like as much tutorials they'll give you and in this game you don't even have the weapon triangle so that's not even what the tutorial's about you know yeah. they, they really do bring you through every single thing you need to know about this game and they're they're constantly giving you a little bit more complexity with like every hour to hour or two that goes by like it it's, it's really, really incredible um, how well they've managed to, like, keep me, someone who, like, has been kind of, like, banging my head against the franchise trying to get in for a long time. Like, they've really kept me locked in. So all of that having been said, um, I, I have played... Not as much as you. I think I'm 10 hours short of where you're at. I don't, I don't think anyone has played as much as I have this game. Outside of people who uh, reviewed the game. Yeah. it's I, I Again, time is, like, moving in different ways. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad you're enjoying it. And again, it feels like Awakening was the first game to have those. I believe it was the first game to have those like side support dialogue scenes. Mm-hmm. And 
it, you know, it in retrospect, it like they they were a really cool thing, but it was almost like the foreshadowing of this fully realized idea that they're doing now in Three Houses. Yeah. There is a point which maybe you experienced in your time with Persona and, and maybe the other Fire Emblems where like it can almost feel like you're fulfill you're doing it for shallow reasons where it's like, oh, like are these characters only paired together because it's gonna help them fight better? Whereas right. I feel like in Three Houses, because the game kinda has a bit more room to breathe, you're getting you're you're progressing and leveling things up because of like showing genuine interest in them. Yes. So like, you know, you don't really need anything like even on hard, you don't need to recruit any other students to survive, but it's really made my story feel unique that all of a sudden, uh, so-and-so from a different house was like, Hey, I really think it'd be better if I joined the blue lions. Um, Yeah. Spoiler alert on blue lions. So yeah, man, it's great. I completely agree. And I'm, I'm, I think that while those issues never push me out, I think I'm liking the execution of the, even more this time yeah uh, I, th- I think i think it, it wouldn't be a spoiler to really talk about like you know when you start this game it like the very opening of it is it's you and your dad and you're both mercenaries and you're like in this town and then three the three heads of the three houses show up and they're like hey we really need your help and you go through a little battle and then you get taken to the monastery and and you become a professor there and you have to choose between these three houses and i really expected the game to be mostly the same for everyone regardless of what house you picked like i didn't expect there to be as much depth and and as much uh variation between houses but like talking to other people who've been playing in different houses talking to you a little bit about it talking to some other people that i know who are playing this game as well like there are completely different dynamics happening across all of these like the the story beats that are that are going on are like completely wild i have an interesting i picked an interesting house in that like it seems to be a little bit removed from some of the overarching story in an interesting way and and i'm not really sure how yet but um we can get into that a little bit later but all that having been said like the choice of the three houses is not like based in stats or based in anything else outside of like who is the most interesting to you like go talk to all of the people in all the different houses and like really think to yourself like which of these do I actually align with like from a personality standpoint or like which is the most intriguing to me and that I was like really really surprised by that 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 immediately like right in the beginning the writing is so strong that you get a really really great look at all of those students and like you have a real understanding of like we talked about this uh, I think the day it came out but like you pretty much know immediately where some of their arcs are going it's like oh here's a person who's like very shy very timid very closed off like there's definitely something there like if you invest some time into that person like I could see them blossoming into something more interesting or like some people who are just really fucking terrible um, you know it's like yeah. is there going to be a chance for me to like save this person and prevent them from being like horrible when they grow up and honestly like at the end of the day what that really does is it puts you in the mindset of a professor and that's what I've been most surprised by I think over everything that's a else great point. Is, yeah. is like not only thematically but mechanically like you inhabit the role every action that you have allows you to inhabit the role of a professor who is like looking out for the like well-being and and future growth of these people in a way that like I've never experienced in any other video game like there's there's never been a game that has caused me to be so like personally emotionally invested in 
people's well-being ever. I don't think I've ever experienced it. I can't, not a single game comes to mind. And I think the moment that that really clicked for me, the moment that I was like, oh my God, I care so much about these people was, uh, I, I picked the Golden Deer, worth mentioning, uh, of the three. The only one that neither of us picked is are the Black Eagles, which again, also worth mentioning. But anyway, the moment that that really clicked for me was I was running around the noble dorms because there's there's dorms for commoners and there's dorms for, for nobles. I was running around the noble dorms and you can go into the rooms of all of the students and I went into Claude's room. Claude is is the the head of the Golden Deer. He's he's like our class president. Um, think of it as in one year, three different Harry Potters showed up to Hogwarts. Like that's a pretty big deal, you know. That's kind of the idea. Yeah, it's that's like, exactly it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a big deal for everyone in the school. So you know, Claude is kind of like a, a laid back, jokey guy. You can tell he takes things kind of seriously, but like maybe not. He has some secrets to him. Like who really knows what's going on with Claude? Like he's really it's like mixed... a dashing rogue kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's kind of a mixed bag of a person. So you never really know what you're going to get with him. Sometimes he's very serious. Sometimes he's talking about like, hey, I'm brewing poisons in my room. Like he's a weird dude. So I walked into his room and it was covered in books. He had books everywhere. They were on the bed. They were on the ground. They were like strewn out in like a circle, like around his desk. And I just looked, I just, it was a moment where I was literally checking every room to see if there was like a lost item in any of the rooms. Like I was doing it purely for like min-maxi mechanic-y reasons. And I walked into the room and I just froze for a second. And I felt an overwhelming pride that my house leader was spending so much time studying that he had all these books covering his whole desk. And I was like, oh my God, Claude, you're really taking this seriously. <laughs> and then I I had this like moment where I like fell out of my chair. I was like, I can't believe that's a thought that's just crossed my mind that I care this much about this person in yeah. such a short period of time that just the sight of books on their bed really yeah. like hit me directly in the heart. And, yeah, the and, characters yeah. this time just feel more fleshed out and they have, you have those organic moments of discovery like that. I think in the past, there were like a handful that they kind of wrote that way, but most of them you were kind of projecting your own importance onto, which yes. I didn't mind. But I feel like, again, this game is kind of filled in the blanks in that way and is like really strong sense of direction in terms of how you're emotionally resonating with certain characters. Now, I want to say, I want to talk more about all the characters and all that stuff. Why don't we do that after the break but yeah. i just want to say real quick that if you've never played a fire emblem game before this is honestly a fantastic one to start with it's going to be hard to play any other game in the series for me after this one because yeah it just feels like the best if you are a longtime fan of the series i, I just i mean you probably have it already um but <laughs> yeah uh, hot take i recommend this game more than I would recommend this game to more people than I ever have this series in the past. Because I've always kind of thought yeah, this is same. a very niche, very niche series. And it still is. But I think that what happened to me with Awakening, where I found myself really caring about the characters and caring about my actions, um, that's the same thing I felt with Mass Effect 2. That's probably the last time I felt mm, yeah. as invested is like, that's a similar thing where you're assigned to put together a team and like everyone, like your interest in the characters' lives and missions is put at risk at the last mission. And and it's 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 like a more evolved version of a choose your own adventure book where it's like my actions are having narrative consequences yeah. and like it's so immersive because of that. It's just lovely. I am so like I knew this game was going to be great and I'm both amazed a little bit disturbed, but I'm just having the <laughs> best time. I need to take a bit of a break, I think, because I don't think I've even like been blinking this whole conversation. Uh -huh. I'm like, I actually you know what? I was going to make a comparison and I realized it was a spoiler, so I'm not going to say it. But let's take a break. 
and yeah. uh, we'll talk about more about the house leads, the characters, the story, all that kind of stuff. We'll go we'll go into how we like our houses and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So pre pre break before we get into spoilers, uh, Stephen and I both love this game. Yeah. So just take that. As I think you it's will. the most accessible one, despite being like the biggest and like grandest. I yeah. think it's like easily the most accessible. It's so the future. It's the future of this franchise, right? Like it really, it really is. Like you it look, really you look at Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it's like now that you've done that, how could you ever not do that? You know? Yeah. That's yeah. that's exactly how this feels. Yeah, it really, it really does. It. I think, like you said at the beginning, like it, it is so good, and it is so the culmination of everything that they've wanted to do that, unlike Zelda. I, it really does make the previous games like almost not unplayable, but it's like, why would I ever go back? You know, like right, Zelda right. games, at least I have a reason to go back to those other games. Like I would never go back and play Awakening or Fates ever again after playing Three Houses. Um, I certainly won't play all three of Fates games. Yeah. Maybe I'll try to beat Conquest one day. So yeah, that's that's the that's the the overarching pre-spoiler thing is we both love this game and recommend it deeply yeah and uh we've had actually a lot of fun we had made a whole channel in the discord about fire emblem so people are kind of sharing that's what's fun too is like i haven't had a game like this where a lot of my friends have got it and we kind of have like discussions like oh like what'd you do like you know like what yeah. happened to your story you know it's that that hasn't really happened to me since like skyrim where like people like are all playing it their own way and there's mm-hmm. kind of like almost like water cooler discussions of like what is happening yeah so good i will say i do miss the ability to to customize the protagonist but because of how cutscene centric and story centric they are in this game yeah i mean you, you can you can change their gender but you can't really like change their voice or hair at all which is fine yeah but you know that that is something i noticed but like that's literally it like other than that and sylvain being the worst character in fiction like there's really nothing to complain about yeah well i'll, I'll say the the um the like the queer representation in this game is bad just oh, for sure. In yeah. general, there's I think five gay and bi relationships. If you are the femme option, and one if you're the male option, um, yeah, which is more than any previous game, but still like frustrating. Like I started this game playing as the femme form protagonist, and then immediately, well, not immediately, but I, I ended up switching to male. Just because I was like, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird situation. But beyond yeah. that, it's spectacular. It's a spectacular. Yeah, game. yeah. I I actually didn't know the the number of that because there there aren't any like at least in the first phase of the game there aren't any uh, relationships possible, which I think is good. Honestly, I think. It oh would my feel god! Weird. Yeah, yeah. They you they <laughs> that was a big discussion before the game came out. Um, was yeah. like you're not gonna be able to date the students, right? And they were like, no, 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 no. Like that's not how this game works. Um, and specifically. Uh, one, one of the big things and uh, shout out to the Waypoint podcast if you are a person who listens to that also but they were talking about how like it doesn't feel like you're grooming people to be able to date them like in the future also like it's it's not like it's not like you are doing everything you possibly can to try and date someone eventually like that it feels yeah, exactly. more like you are a professor just trying to like make these people the best people that they can possibly be um, which is yeah great. absolutely absolutely which is which is great because that was something I was kind of worried that honestly yeah um and like the the series has a pretty bad reputation persona as well uh i mean yeah. i bring that up because like those games are both so much of those games are about the kind of social experience yeah and it's a shame that that's such a like limited option i mean that's what's honestly great about uh 
I mean, later on, Bioware kind of had more options for for queer relationships, but hopefully that changes in the future too. Because again, like like you said, this is the future of the series. They now have finally at least started having that option. So hopefully, yeah. it's like better represented and better executed in the future. Because right. like you and I both have plenty of friends who would, I I would want to see that too. Like that's like I honestly in games where like in in Mass Effect and in Dragon Age, one I like to see it just because I think it's a good thing. But two, like a- actually playing through it, it's like wonderful to experience something that's outside of yourself in an RPG. You yeah, know? totally. Um, I always find that to be a really valuable experience. Anyway, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's take a quick break and we'll talk about our houses. Yes, Steven. Uh, my uh, house is in Aquarius, uh, the eighth house. It's my moon sign. Wow. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, goodbye. Bye. Brendan. Hey. Hey, we're back from the break, and we're going to talk about our houses. That's right, Blue Lions and Golden Deer, the second and third favorite of the three houses, apparently. Yeah, we were just talking uh, in the break just about how I've seen a lot of polls. I've seen Twitter polls. I've seen there's like an official Nintendo poll that went around. Um, I've seen a lot of polls that were like, which house did you choose or which house do you want to choose? Um, And by far, surprisingly, the Black Eagles are number one. Yeah. Followed by usually the Blue Lions and then Golden Deer. Sometimes I see Golden Deer as the second place, but usually it's Blue Lions. And sometimes it's like almost a tie between Blue Lions and Golden Deer. But it's always Black Eagles at number one. If you go and visit the Fire Emblem subreddit right now, most people picked Black Eagles who are talking there, which I find fascinating. That is really interesting. Yeah. So I, uh, and we were talking to, we forgot to mention this earlier, but like in the loading screens of the game, they show you like, what the like online statistics are for like which characters that month like yeah uh, were deployed the most which ones which were basically like who was used the most there's some fun stats and what's really neat too which I forgot to mention is when you do have freedom of how to spend your day kind of like Persona they show you what percentage of players did what on what day yeah and it's a really helpful guide like when it's mixed I'm like okay I want to make my own decision when it's like overwhelmingly people chose to do one thing I'm gonna go with that mm-hmm. every now and then I break it I'm like no I really need a seminar on uh, faith right now thank you everyone else <laughs> uh, yeah but, and also um, you have to assume that if the black eagles are the number one house like by far if a majority of people are playing as black eagles then that would mean that the activities on any given free day are dominated by what's best for the black eagle house which is also a weird thing to take into account so like what's best for the black eagles might not always be best for the blue lions or the golden deer so that's a very good point yeah it's a little it might be a little bit skewed especially this early into the game's release Mm -hmm. not no one's a pro yet we might all just be making the wrong decisions yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. There's beauty in that unity, you know? Totally. So I kind of did a little bit of research before the game came out. Um, I knew that I knew the three house leads. Uh, the leader of the Black Eagles is Edelgard, right? Yep. Edelgard. Someone in the Discord said she's Slytherin Leslie Nope, which I really love. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could remember who said that, but <laughs> shout out to that person. Yes. Yeah. Um, or maybe they're quoting someone else. But uh, uh, so she's the leader. Um, and I knew that the Black Lions lean towards magic. So they have like a couple more magic users. Black Eagles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Black Eagles, excuse me. Uh, Blue Lions are led by Dimitri, who is a very classic Fire Emblem Prince kind of design. Mm -hmm. I'll get more into him because I... I know a lot about Dimitri now. I played this game for 80 hours in two days. Um, (laughs) And then Claude, who is like a very handsome kind of dashing rogue archer dude uh, who's like laid back and cool. I just... 
I kind of did some research. Oh, and so Blue Lions lean towards Warriors and uh, Golden Deer lean towards Archers. Um, yep. But they all have everything. And you can also customize everyone's classes. That's a whole other conversation. Um, there's a lot to that, which is really neat. Um, it's not too daunting. It's the best it's ever been. Usually class systems in Fire Emblem games are a nightmare. They made it way better this time. I'll just say that off the bat. Yeah, it's um, significantly better. I also do want to mention, like, if you find it daunting, even the way it is now, which at times I do, there is no shame in, like, looking up a list of, like, who can turn yeah. into what and, like, what are the hidden talents and, like, there, there's definitely joy to be found in, like, discovering a student's hidden talent just by talking to them and thinking, like, oh, my God, they said this thing. Maybe they would be good at this and then, like, having that payoff. Off. I've had the that hidden a couple talent, times. Uh, it's also marked by the three stars next to the skill. Uh, yeah. When you're giving them a mentor, it'll be that. But yeah, even even outside of that, there's like a lot of there's a lot of flexibility, which is really neat. Um, yeah. So I decided preemptively I was going to go Blue Lions because I just figured that was going to be the least popular choice based on the house leads. Well, yeah, you you picked almost primarily based off of the name Fargus. It's the Holy Land of Fargus, right? That <laughs> the was Holy your... Kingdom of Fargus. Yeah. I was like obviously that and literally someone tweeted they were like uh they were poking fun at all the houses and they were like blue lions like mostly suck but you know their kingdom kind of sounds like a muppet's name and I'm like, <laughs> you, you got me yeah um but honestly so the game opens pretty early on the three leads all kind of seek you out and even though i had preemptively chosen based on the silliness of fargus's name yeah it was a really tough choice like these three leads like you mentioned earlier from right off the bat are such interesting characters like it's it's just like you said like they really do all kind of broadcast their untold stories to you mm-hmm. um there's also some great writing where when you look at all of them your protagonist narrates internally like uh dimitri it's like friendly charismatic man but like has a dark shadow or something yeah claude is like his his smile catches you easily but he's not making eye contact or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah yeah um and edelgard it's like she's judging everything i'm doing and saying uh or something like that mm-hmm. so it's like and they give off that vibe like dimitri is like right away very respectful seemingly very traditional edelgard is extremely analytical um and a little bit intense uh, yeah. but like clearly very professional and claude is kind of laid back but like you're not getting the whole picture yeah i was so tempted to switch to the golden deer just by him being hey teach like he called me teach and i'm like yeah do i give up 80 hours of being called teach i like <laughs> just because fargus is a funny name yeah i guess i do i'll tell Goodbye, you this steven uh again 15 to 20 hours into the game he only says teach like <laughs> he does not use the word professor he does not use the word teacher it is only teach anytime any synonym for the word teach would be uttered teach is in there uh that and it is, is incredible wild. Yeah. it is incredible the commitment the characters have to like certain inside jokes is unreal yes because like even though there are like more fleshed out characters this time, they still commit to whatever their brand is pretty hard. Yeah, and it's also worth noting that no matter what house you choose, you'll see like when you're exploring the monastery, you can talk and interact with all of them. And if you like eat lunch with some of them, or like if you give gifts to certain characters, like you can still you can even unlock support dialogue with them. Yeah, which the way to recruit students from other houses is to talk to them you can you can select recruit and they'll say like what stats they value so if you get to know a character well enough and you also have like the corresponding stats they will join eventually they'll ask to join your house yeah worth noting Um, you the professor have to have those stats like you have to invest in your own training enough 
to get those specific stats up high enough that they will come to you and say, Hey, would you like, you know, can I join your house? Um, Exactly. Which is awesome. Um, Which is really cool. I've recruited one other student, uh, Bernadetta from the black Eagles. Yeah. Uh, She's great. She's the best. Yeah. It happened organically because I like, I would leave my quarters and she hides in her room all day. So like, I just would talk to everyone and I'm like, I need to know this person's deal. Cause like, there's clearly like a story there and I really liked her character and I happen to have the stats and she, like again, it's a thing that feels very organic in the story. She like came to she came to a lesson one day and was like, "Hi, like I just feel like it'd be so much better if I was in your class. Like, please let me join. Like, I really don't like getting the Black Eagles." Yeah, and it felt like a really cool moment. And at that point in time, because you can also have students like guest. Like, they can join your team for the month, and they don't gain experience, but they can help you out. Yeah. So she had done that, and she had unlocked support scenes with the rest of the Blue Lions. So it oh, felt like it felt like she was organically becoming part of the team. Right. Which I thought was really fascinating. I didn't even really know that was happening until it was. And I'm like, you are a Blue Lion through and through. Of course. Come <laughs> join us. Uh, oh, that's so nice. It was really nice. If only I, I could kick Sylvain out, but, you know, I can't win them all. Um, yeah. So uh, let's talk game. about... Let's talk about the house leaders and like, do you want to just go through the members of each of our houses and kind of just say like how we're enjoying it and like who we like? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll first go into why I picked Golden Deer. Um, yeah. For those right of ahead. you in the Discord, which we mentioned the Discord a lot, but you can go to bit.ly slash TWG Discord. Uh, the link is in the show notes. If you want to join our community of... Um, of friends um but anyway uh i talked a lot of this out in the discord and the discord helped me out a lot uh so thank you to those of you who uh are active members in there but i i had an interesting thing where i it was i guess thursday night into friday morning and i woke up in the middle of the night i woke up at 2 a.m and i was up for about 15 to 20 minutes and i could not go back to sleep i was not tired so i was like i wonder if fire emblem unlocked like i wonder if the game is out so i got up and i turned on my switch like i got into my living room and I turned on my switch and lo and behold but Fire Emblem was out so I started playing it and I played the first about I would say hour to hour and a half of the game which is up to the point if you're playing slowly if you're talking to everyone it's up to the point where they ask you you need to choose a house and I had talked to every single house leader I talked to all the students Uh, I went online I watched a bunch of videos that were like here's why you would choose each of these houses Mm -hmm. and I was paralyzed by the choice could not figure it out so it's a tough choice so I stopped the game and I started the game again from the beginning. And I played through that whole <laughs> opening a second time thinking, if I just play through all this with all the stuff I know now, if I play through all of this, I'll know who to pick as soon as I get to that question again. And then I got to that question, could not answer it a second time. And I stopped playing. It was 4.30 in the morning. I was like, I need to stop. I need to stop agonizing over this question. I have to get enough sleep so I can go to work and do my fucking job tomorrow. Uh, and, <laughs> and when I get, Oh, yeah. One of those. <laughs> and when I get home, I'll figure it out. So throughout the course of the day, I was just kind of like talking in the Discord ambiently, just like, I don't know how to, how to pick. I asked you at a certain point during the day, who did you pick, to try and eliminate one of my choices. I thought if, yeah. I, if it was between two choices, it would be easier. So you said that you had gone with the Holy Kingdom of Fargus, and I was like, shit, because that was the one that I was leaning hardest towards. I was like, I... Really? I didn't know that. 
I was really curious about what was going on with Dimitri because he he has yeah. this he has this very princely regal vibe, but there's clearly like something either tragic or dark going on with him, which I've since learned just through conversations with him, um, which is wild that I can say that you know just a testament to the writing. But I you know I, I was curious about what was going on with him. Um, I think Dedu, his like right hand man, his like confidant, is like a really fascinating character. Um, He's and, so good. I love Dedu. He's yeah, great. We can get into why that is a little bit later, but that left me with the Black Eagles or the Golden Deer. The Golden Deer were my initial like jump off picks from the first time I saw the first trailer for this game. I was like, obviously you go with Claude. How would you go with anyone but Claude? Um, yeah, it feels that way in the beginning because he's like just so charming, you know? Yeah. And, like he calls you teach. He calls you teach. Uh, so then it it was between the Black Eagles and the Golden Deer. And, and you know, Claude has a lot of stuff going for him. His class is just, like, extremely likable. Um, almost every single person has, like, some kind of defining quality about them that just makes them, like, an inherently charismatic person, uh, with the exception of one person who we can maybe talk about later. But then there's something about the Black Eagles. Like, talking to Aguilard and, and Hubert, her right-hand man, who is, like, pretty much, like, goth hot topic prince turned into like a, a black mage. I can't believe him. So yeah. <laughs> there, not, not to spoil anything, but there is something that, that happens that's very tragic. Yeah. And okay. when you're exploring the monastery, every student is expressing some kind of condolence to you. Yeah. And you talk to that motherfucker and he goes, I've never been one good with condolences and says nothing else. Wow. He just says, I don't know how to do this. And like, says in like kind of a shitty way. I'm like, dude, this is like your one moment to show some kind of humanity and you yeah. fucked up. Like, yeah. I'm not, you are beyond Slytherin. You're like the dirt a snake eats. Um, <laughs> one of the first things he does, I don't know if you had the same conversation with him that I did, but one of the first things he did was threaten my life. Like, he was like, <laughs> if you come near Egelhard with like ill intentions, I will fucking kill you where you stand. And I was like, I'm your teacher, my dude. Yeah. You can't do that. I love their leader and they've got some good members, but there is like, there is a fascist vibe with the Black Eagles. Yes. Like, right? Yeah. That's the thing I was going to say was like, there's so a fascist vibe. Then that was the, that was the crux of the conversation that I had in the discord about this was like, I'm really curious about the black Eagles because a lot of them are like, it's, it's like a class of like Slytherins who are closed off dark mages. And like, I need to know if there's some kind of redemption in sight for these people. Like I, yeah. I was, well, Bernadette is great and she's a black. Yeah. Uh, oh, she's awesome. But... Yeah. Like you said, I, I also talk to her literally every single day and it's always a joy. Like she's the best. Yeah. But I I found myself so so inquisitive about like where their character arcs could possibly lead because to get to give a, a little bit more of like an overarching um gist of of the story like each of these three houses represent a country on a continent it all started with the Adrestan Empire which is who the Black Eagles represent and Egelhard, the the leader of the Black Eagles, is the next in line to be emperor of this empire, uh, which yeah. is wild. At a certain point in history, there was a war between the Adrestan Empire and uh, another faction, which then became the Holy Kingdom of Fargus, which then became its own country. Dimitri is soon to be king of that land, um, and you find out why. You know, there's story reasons why. And then over the course of time, at some point in, in the past 400 years, another branch of people from both the Adrestan Empire and the Holy Kingdom of Fargus have broken off and made their own little separate faction, uh, which is called the Lesser Alliance, which is like a more democratic thing. It's like less less monarchy, more like round table um, kind of, I don't even know what you would call that, but um, it, j just a little bit less 
fascistic than I would it's say like a, the other It's like two. a collection of city-states. Yes. Claude is the grandson of the Grand Duke. So, like, yeah. he is also in line to be leader, but it's right. less of a it's less of a intense leadership. Right. Which is why I said, like, it's as if three Harry Potters came to the school in one year. Like, it's a huge basically, deal. Basically four, counting the protagonist, who yeah, yeah, true. has got some crazy shit going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, true. Uh, his name is Steven in my playthrough. I don't know. Coincidence. Oh, wow. I went, I went with the default name and there, yeah, I was thinking about that, but I wanted, to, I usually make a character in Fire Emblem. That's like, like what I talked earlier about kind of experiencing something outside of yourself. And this one, I want it to be as kind of close to myself as possible, mm, which is why I initially was like, I wish I could customize the hair because I would not have my hair this way or wear a jacket this way. But that's all right. It's yeah. Totally fine. Cool. <laughs> so that, that's kind of like the overarching story of the three. So between the golden deer and, and the black Eagles, uh, if those are my two options, it was like, okay, do I want to pick the like, not only like overtly fascistic empire uh, that went to war with people who decided that like their government was problematic and wanted to create their own land? Like, do do I want to join that faction? But also their house colors are black and red, which is like so classically evil that like there's no yeah. way you could feel good about that choice. They're they're basically like I love like there's such intrigue with their house, but it is they are like, hey, we're the bad guys. Yeah, like so <laughs> overtly the bad guys. Yeah. And and my my desire to just see if I could turn them into good guys was was not strong enough to make me choose them. So yeah. at the end of the day I went with the Golden Deer for that reason. It it ended up being a situation where it was like there's clearly history between Fargus and the Adresden Empire that like needs to get hashed out and somehow the Golden Deer and the Lesser Alliance are like removed from that and what does that story look like if there if there are three countries on this continent and two of them are at war what is the third one doing and that's yeah. kind of what I was most curious about um, because For sure. like I don't think it's a spoiler because I saw it in I mean it was in a bunch of the marketing and I've seen people talking about it openly um, so it must have been common knowledge but there's there's a time skip eventually which which transforms this game from a Harry Potter situation to more of a Game of Thrones situation it seems yeah um, I'm right on the verge of that happening just yeah. for context okay cool like shit <laughs> shit really like, right that's why I feel kind of shaken this all of a because shit went down recently yeah and and they foreshadow it like from the very beginning like every scene with Claude uh, Edelgard and Dimitri they're all like this moment is so nice I hope this can last forever yeah. it'd be a shame <laughs> if this went to yeah. shit like every time um, and yeah. even like you have a mock battle like one of the first battles is like a mock battle between the three houses and they're like <laughs> this was a real battle years ago but it will never happen again and you're like Goo! but like <laughs> it's honestly very effective because you end up knowing your house so well and by proxy I have uh, Steven my protagonist has like learned like I, I have a B relationship with Raphael from the Golden Deer like I that's awesome have gotten to know other students pretty well I've recruited Bernadetta like I mm-hmm. I know the other people's like and, and what's really interesting is that at least in the Blue Lion story a lot of the characters constantly are like we kill people so often but like are they the bad guys? Aren't they just like us? Don't they have the same hopes and dreams that we do? Yeah. Which is a thing that the series has always tackled, but never as effectively, because the game has never given you so much time to spend with them like this. Yeah, right. Uh, which I think is truly heartbreaking. I've teared up a couple times in this game. The story is really good. Like, I've never given a shit about the world of this game, but like right. you and I have just discussed like the continental history of, this, of yeah. this particular game, which I've never done before in this series, which I like, but... I've never done that before. Yeah. 
I've yeah, <laughs> I've I've been really really surprised by how invested in the story and the students I've become. Um, I, I think like a key moment is is that moment with Claude that I was talking about. That isn't even a moment. It's not even a scripted moment. It was literally just the the world designers putting a bunch of books on his bed that like hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, but it was still realized... intentional, you know. It was still like right, exactly. It is still an intentional yeah. story thing. Um, which, which I think is like really fascinating. Um, but on top of that, like the one-on-one conversations that you have and, and the support conversations that happen are like way more powerful considering you feel an ownership over, over their like well-being. Like you feel like a personal investment in, in, in the growth of these people, you know? So the, the person I was alluding to earlier is Marianne, who is like a very quiet person who like very clearly like does not want to be a priest or like, or sorry, who does not want to be like an officer of the military, but like wants to be a priest. Like she is an extremely faithful person, but has this like really latent, this like, this like latent attachment to animals um, and has like a really deep understanding of, of animals. And by proxy of that is great at horseback riding. So like I started investing some time into like turning her into a horseback rider. And eventually she was like kind of becoming like a more opened up, well-rounded person. Like instead of like barely even introducing herself when she would talk to me she started to like open up and tell me about herself and like has now become almost like donald in in uh fire emblem awakening has become this like destructive fucking horseback pegasus (laughs) rider with a lance who just fucks people up there is that path if you could if you want to go down that path where she just is like faith-based and heals and like that's her whole thing she hangs back she stays introverted you can do that you can choose to not invest in her but i was just curious i just had like a little peak of curiosity about her that drew me into her story because of how well written it is and she has now become an extremely well-rounded and like anchoring member of of the golden deer in a way that i never would have anticipated at the beginning uh which i think is amazing and that and that that is just one of the many stories and the many paths that you can go down on this game and that's why i think there's like an unbelievable amount of replayability eventually and why like oh, yeah. i before even finishing this game i'm already thinking about what i'm going to do on my next playthrough which was Same. unfathomable to me before i bought this game the fact that i not only want to play it once but play it maybe a second and even third time in a year yeah. when this many games are coming out is fucking wild yeah yeah it's 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 insane like i you and i were both talking about i mean we, we threw some shade on the black eagles uh the adrestrian adrestrian empire yeah excuse me but like we're both so intrigued by that story especially where i'm at in the game mm. you know i need to know what's going on yeah <laughs> um so why don't we go into our houses and talk about like if you wanted to go through that yeah please tell me about the blue lions oh i will because again, uh, do- when I when I met everyone, I wanted to go with the Blue Lions originally. I love that house. I love the people in that house. And I'm, I'm so currently glad working because- on recruiting people from the Blue Lions. Oh, who do you who do you want to recruit? Uh, oh shit, I just forgot their names. Unfortunately. Um, well, I'll go through them and you'll yeah. tell me if they're yes, yes. Okay. So the house leader is Dimitri. Initially. Dimitri, imbi- like, there, there are some recurring tropes in the Fire Emblem series, and Dimitri at first struck me as, you know, your run-of-the-mill crom, or, uh, right, you know, your right. run-of-the-mill cor- where it's like, often there's like the good-hearted prince that is overly burdened by the decisions they have to carry, and, and wants to do what's best, but is slowly learning the horrors of war. But Dimitri has some... <laughs> wild shit going on that yes. I really like. He's a really likable character, but he truly does have a horrific past. Like he is struggling. There was a point in his life where he took too much pleasure 
in the victories of war. Mm. And there's one member of the Blue Lions, Felix, who I'll get into next, who will never forgive him for that. And he calls him like a prince boar and like yes. openly insults him constantly. Yep. And and Dimitri is trying his best to let that go and obviously embodies a lot of guilt for even like in the first battle when you're just fighting thieves he's like i know these are just thieves but this is never easy for me mm-hmm. but the minute there's vengeance involved he loses his mind like and there there is a i won't spoil it because it's later on but there is a really disturbing scene with him that i just experienced recently yeah that i thought was a really brave choice and like I, I think it's really interesting to have a character that you initially like so much that is now making you feel very uneasy. Wow. He is a really interesting character. So yeah. I, I, I've gotten to know him quite well. Uh, Felix is the Kylo Ren of the group. I think there are also are tropes within the houses. There's like the edgelord of the team. Yeah. And Felix is that. By the way, He's... Edelgard, edgelord, it's very close. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But anyway. um, Felix is a childhood friend of Dimitri's. They used to be really close, but now has kind of become like very closed off. And he's very, he's very blunt and very mean to everyone. But he also seems to have a very strong uh, moral compass Mm. where he's just like, I can never, he's like, I'm focusing on getting better so I can be the best to prevent bad shit from happening. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Cause I've, I talk to him all the time and he always has that very, he has like a a bravado about him. He has like a a very training centric mentality about it, but I didn't know that deeper layer about him because every time I talk to him, he's like, yeah, I'm just training. Like I'm, I'm going to be better than you one day. Yeah. But I, I never knew that reason. That's fascinating. That's very cool. And you, and at least in the blue lion story, you meet his dad. Who's like a great guy. And his dad was the adoptive father of Prince Dimitri. Oh, wow. Growing up. So they're basically like brothers. Amazing. But Felix, from day one, has never forgiven Dimitri for what he's done. The The complete opposite of that is uh, Dudu. Yes. Who, there's this massacre. It reminds me a lot in, um, it's like the... Is it Full Metal Alchemist? Yes. Like, yeah. uh, where there's this massacre of a foreign country that, mm-hmm. like, scar... Like, Dimitri has a very Mustang vibe where, like, they both clearly have some kind of PTSD going on. Mm. And they're not dealing with it well, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, um, not to be insensitive to that, but like, you know, this is sort of the character. Yeah. Uh, and the Dudu, dude's whole nation was destroyed. Like, right. no one really, like, I've had a lot of conversations with him. No one truly knows if their country is to blame or not. Because they are basically rumored to be conspiring against the of committing regicide to to overthrow the king that was Dimitri's father. Right. Ultimately, Dimitri's parents were both killed, like, in front of him. Yeah. And and this country was destroyed but dimitri chose to save dudu for really no reason other than his own humanity so the dude's whole vibe is like i'm here to protect dimitri in the beginning he's like dimitri had like i hate the kingdom of fargus but i will literally do whatever dimitri wants me to because he saved me for no reason yeah uh other than to to prove to me that he's different so it's really interesting to have the house leader both have like someone who grew up with him who now despises him and have someone who should despise him should despise yeah. him but like has devoted their life to him yeah uh and to do is great uh to do kind of reminds me a little bit of sten from dragon age i don't know if you've ever played that i haven't but, but he he initially comes off like just very like kind of neutral like he's like at one point there's a great scene between felix and to do where felix is like so you're the lap dog to like prince boar like would you kill innocent women and children if he asked and to do says i would absolutely do 
Like I would do whatever yeah. he asked me to because like I have chosen to do this, which is really disturbing. And I like that the game allows the characters to come off in a bad way like that. Yeah, where, totally. Like you just like everyone is dealing with grief and vengeance in a way that like you can see when they turn off their humanity and when they turn it back on. Mm. Which is there's a scene uh, that I think you and I have both seen that reminded me a lot of Princess Mononoke, where there's a character that gets overtaken by this like oh yeah weird irregular moving like evil that turns them into an actual monster. Yeah, and it reminds me a lot of the scene in Princess Mononoke where the main character is coming in between the uh, fighting of the leader of Iron town and princess mononoke who you're at that point as a viewer you kind of like both of them you see where they're both coming from uh and he stops them fighting and he's like he's like this is what hatred looks like and it's killing me yeah and i get that vibe a lot from this game which i really love to have a strategy war game have such a heavy pacifist message and have such a heavy critique of like how caught up in the cycles of vengeance we can get which is something the series has always done but never this well um mm, yeah i'm getting i'm getting worked up to saying it so that's <laughs> to do and felix to do also i've reclassed as a fortress general and he's literally a walking mech at this point like he cannot be touched that's like, amazing it is it is kind of insane like but he also i mean obviously as you get to know him he softens up a little bit yeah like, i uh, even noticed his- it like outside of being in that house i've noticed it in the beginning when i would first talk to him and he would say hey what's the country he's from dusker i think is the name of it dusker yeah he's, yeah he was dusker. he's like yeah. I don't think you want to talk to somebody from Dusker. Like you, you best not be seen with me. And over time, not even working up my support or something, but I can tell that through the story, you know, over the over the past couple of weeks, whatever whatever has been happening in the Blue Lions um, has been changing him as a person as well. And he's been opening up to me, somebody who's not even talking to him outside of just like my one free day a week, uh, which is fascinating. Yeah, and he, um, a lot of the scenes with him are in the greenhouse, and he will plant flowers from dusker yeah because he's like water all the plants except for those that they need a dry climate um and you can tell him like those are beautiful and he's like yes like he's a very like he just says like one word or like the first scene with him is just you both giving each other ellipses which is that why he reminded me of sten because sten is kind of like that like just Mm -hmm. very like dudu has more humanity than sten does because sten is like from a from a different kind of like medieval 1984 faction, yeah. which we don't have to get into on this episode. That's over two hours. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so the deal is great. Uh, Felix is a lot sometimes, but I, re- I think the three of them have a really interesting dynamic. Ash rules. Uh, he's my MVP almost constantly. I made him a sniper and he is just like a really good hearted, like he's like the ray of sunshine on the team where like he's a commoner so he's not one of the nobles. Yeah. I think he might be I think he may be one of the only or maybe of the two commoners on the blue lines cuz most of them are royalty. Yeah. But like he loves books and fantasy stories. There's a great scene with him and Felix where he's reading a story about knights and Felix is like those stories are going to poison your mind. Like that's not how real life works. Like no one's like that. And he's like, "But you're just like the knight in the story who deep down really cares." Yeah. But comes off like a you know, it's it's great. <laughs> Uh, he's he's the best. I love him. Sylvain, I've 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 mocked earlier this episode. Honestly, he just sucks. Like I really I keep waiting for the moment where he redeems himself. It's I, I keep describing him like if Steve never got redeemed on Stranger Things. That's Sylvain. Yeah. Like his thing is that he hits on everyone and like the rest of the cast call him out for it constantly, but like it's still written in a way where like I feel like they want you to see it as endearing and it just never is. It's just constantly gross. Yeah. And like 
the only times he drops it are to say like, yeah, I think murder is wrong. But anyway, like, right. you know, it's like <laughs> you don't get you don't get to have that be redeemed because you're not like a complete sociopath. You're still like a piece of shit. Yeah. So unfortunate. Uh, He's extremely problematic, even to the point where like when I'm walking around and I see one of the people from the Golden Deer talking to Sylvain, I'm like, no, 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 that can't happen. Like I get I but get freaked out when I see other people it is, talking to it him. Is, it is at least refreshing that the, the game almost acknowledges that like there's there's literally a support scene with him i always get worried when i get a support scene with him yeah and there's a character who's like i literally can't be within 10 feet of you like say what you have to say from a distance because like you're trash yeah uh it's (laughs) and like it's just rough he's like the gum the blue lion stepped in like he just i wish he could leave the team (laughs) to be honest that's sylvain ingrid is great uh she's another royal member um kind of she she definitely has kind of a game of thrones vibe Mm -hmm. um kind of like wants to be a knight very chivalrous yeah she's awesome um, she's always like whenever i talk to her i'm like uh you should be on my team i have not she's, started even working towards bringing her into the golden deer yet but she is like a very cool person it seems yeah she's one of my favorite members like her and ash i think are the best and to do i said those three but uh she she has a really high resistance stat she's a great pegasus rider anyway <laughs> moving on uh annette is also wonderful um she's uh uh, I made her a warlock. She's like a really good magic user. She's like the one. Her and Mercedes are the two like magic users on the team. Yeah. Or at least, at least like the ones that are kind of broadcast as magic users. She and Ash kind of share a lot in common where they're both kind of like the really good hearted, like bright younger members of the team. Mm-hmm. Mercedes originally, I wasn't sure what to make of, but she's grown on me over time because everyone's kind of just like, oh, you're here? Like, all her support scenes are like, oh, I, how long have you been standing there? Yeah. And she's just like, because she comes off like kind of very oblivious and like very in her own world, which she is, but she, um, I don't know, I, I really liked her character. She's also like the backbone of my team as like both the best magic user and healer. So that has kind of informed like how I see her character in an interesting way. Uh, so she's cool. Honestly, everyone but Sylvain yeah. has like their merit. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's the Blue Lions. I, I've been really enjoying them. And I have now uh, Bernadetta join my team, uh, who's the best. And yeah, so that's my that's my crew. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Mercedes is the one that I'm trying to bring on to the Golden Deer right now, by the way. She's... She rules. I think yeah. you're gonna really like her character. Um, um, now that I've now that I've switched Marianne away from being a healer, I need a healer, and Mercedes seems like the obvious choice of everyone. And also, like I appreciate this game like makes the healers and archers just incredibly good because traditionally that's always been the hardest class to level up, but they mm. always just get killed immediately. Yeah, and like I wrongfully assumed Mercedes would be the same way, and she like literally I can just throw her in the middle of chaos. And she <laughs> somehow like casts supernova explosion, which is great because she's so like polite and nice. Yeah, so it's just, like this giant hellscape of fire. She's like, that's what you get for messing with me. It's like, amazing. Yeah, um, you know I yeah. I think. Um, before I even go down my list, and I'll probably do it a little bit more quickly. Um, just oh yeah, I'm sorry if I took no, 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 no. I think it's important that you took that long because it really just goes to show how incredible the writing is that you can talk at length about like every person and their motivations and and their relationships with other people and how they how they act as as human beings in this place that doesn't exist you know like it really just goes to show how strong the writing is i think that like we could talk literally forever about all of these people um yeah and 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 how they 
how they intertwine. Um, so to go quickly through the Golden Deer, maybe not quickly, but to go through the Golden Deer, uh, there's Cloud, who is the is the. I keep saying Cloud. His name is Claude, but I like saying Cloud. There's Cloud Strife. He's an ex Shinra soldier. Right, um, right, right. Uh, materia. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, frequent on. commuter. You may have seen mountains or train. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> Claude. Uh, Claude is an interesting dude. Uh, he. Like we've mentioned a lot um, of of his his qualities, but he is a very like laid back, easygoing, kind of like jokey dude. Like you said, he calls me teach, which is like totally bizarre. Just the best thing. It's so good. It's yeah. good every time. I laugh every single time. It is great, um, it, especially in moments when it should absolutely not be the word teach, um, which <laughs> which happens sometimes in like dark moments. He will use the word teach instead of like professor, uh, which is wild. But yeah, there. There's like there's some stuff going on with him that's like really fascinating. He has a lot of secrets. He he has he's very uh, self motivated to do something, but has not led on to anybody what that thing is. And even when you talk to him and like ask him, like you can ask him like pretty directly a lot in the story, like what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Like what is it that you're here for? He'll just be like. Yeah, I'm just going to keep that to myself. I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, ask me as many times as you want. I'm never going to tell you. And it is done with such, like, a lighthearted kind of, like, breezy uh, demeanor that it almost is fine. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, maybe it is okay that you're just, like, <laughs> brewing poisons in your room. Like, whatever. Whatever, man. That's fine. Yeah. Um, He's a fascinating character. It, he's he's so unknowable to the point where uh, one of the things we haven't mentioned that you can do on your off days is you can invite people out for tea and you can like try and make conversation with them. And based on the things that you know about the personalities of these people, uh, they give you dialogue options. They give you three choices to choose from of what kind of conversations you should have with these people. And almost every time I've taken people out to tea, like you can make it pretty far in the conversation. And eventually, like if you pick the wrong thing, I've never times, done. I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, oh, you can. It's awesome. It's very good. That's amazing. I should, I should try that. Well, it might be too late for me. I think it might be too late for you. <laughs> I think it might be past the time for tea based on what directions the plot has been going. Oh, uh, whoops. Continue. Anyway, so if you get too many, if you pick too many of the wrong options, eventually the person will just get up and leave and be like, yeah, this conversation is like not working out or like I, I'm out of here. You know, you'll still get a little bit of like a support bonus and a little bit of whatever, but like not that much. But if, if you, you know, nail it and you get all the right conversation choices and stuff like it really really raises a lot of stats and it's very helpful and it makes people more motivated and you know the whole nine claude every time and this happened three times now where i've taken him out to tea i always get every single dialogue option wrong and i and <laughs> i think honestly it's because i think i know who claude is but there's something else going on with him that i haven't figured out yet uh, and i yeah. don't know about him there is like something either like extremely like dark and sinister or like dark in like a kind of sad way going on with him that i have yet to figure out and because of that i really don't know him at all and that's that's wild um he constantly talks about how much he likes me as like a presence in his life um but i i find him impenetrable and that's wild anyway so uh next on the list is hilda uh kind of like you know like you said uh, there's a dedu to your dimitri uh and there's a hubert to uh the black eagles Egelhart. uh hilda is is that like they are very close and that she is that for him uh which is cool Anyway, uh, you, you find out kind of over time that Hilda is that the club, but Hilda's whole defining thing is that she is like absolutely the laziest person in the entirety <laughs> of of this school. That is even beating out the person who I think is on the Black Eagles, who like 
falls asleep constantly and like whose primary personality trait is that he naps all the time like Hilda somehow (laughs) is the laziest person so I've been spending a lot of time just like kind of whipping her into shape and like at every opportunity just saying like hey working hard is going to make you a better person in the future Um, and that is happening in a really fascinating way Um, she constantly asks to not get brought along on missions and I always bring her and then put her at the forefront of battle and it always pays off (laughs) that's awesome which is very cool uh, then there's uh, Raphael, who is who is a very burly man, so big that he doesn't even fit in his own shirt. Like yeah, his like, buttons are like stretching out, like it's about to burst. Yeah, um, he's he, he's striking. He's great. He's an incredible character. Uh, he is like the most just like wholesome, good person. Almost like no depth to his personality outside of he's very nice and wants to be strong. Like that's like exact. <laughs> that's all that's going on, and and it makes him um, just an incredibly charismatic presence it, it, it's really great to have him on the team because he's so fun and every time he opens his mouth is hilarious um, yeah I've, i i just had to get to know him based on that vibe like yeah. i you know he's great um and and you know like you mentioned uh in that a lot of people's classes are kind of inherent in their character design like he is very good at punching people in the face you know like <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's gonna do yeah um and yeah. that's all he really wants to do and that's all that matters you know his his whole thing is like he really just wants to be as strong as possible but is not very good at like studying or like test taking and stuff and like a lot of the conversations you have with him are kind of like encouraging him to study more and to learn more about like about reason and and i would say like strategic warfare instead of just like running and punch um you know, you're kind of like encouraging him to learn a little bit more about tactics, uh, which is great uh, and has been paying off. It's very cool. There's Ignatz, who is uh, just a very small, learned boy. Uh, he's He's got like circular glasses. He's, he's kind of like a timid person uh, who is like clearly very inquisitive, very smart. And when you first meet him, wants to be a swordsman and I think a magic user. And very quickly, I realized that like he has kind of like a really sharp eye and you learn that in a, in a variety of ways via his like you'll find him painting sometimes around uh the monastery like you'll find him painting and in some support conversations you find that he like really has like an eye for art and stuff and i was like does that translate to using a bow um and now he is a sniper and is fucking ridiculous um, yeah. so like that kind of thing that kind of conversation pays off in those kinds of ways which is really awesome um yeah. there's uh lysithia who i am like kind of up in the air on I don't really know a lot about her still uh, which I think is very interesting she seems to be kind of like a blank slate kind of person um, but is like very destructive with magic I've been training her to use a sword and she's just kind of like fucking people up she's a cool character but I don't really know her vibe yet um, she's the one who's afraid of ghosts yes yes yeah <laughs> I've, I've seen her around she's afraid of ghosts yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, a couple times I've had to walk her like around at night because she's so terrified of ghosts which is great that's um, amazing yeah. Then there's Marianne, who I've, I've mentioned a lot about, um, loves horses, is becoming like a, a Pegasus Lance user, which is wild. Uh, she's very cool. And then who, who's left? There's Lorenz, uh, who is honestly the Sylvain of this crew. Um, oh, no. In that both he thinks himself a womanizer and sucks in that way, but doubly sucks because he's one of the only nobles on this whole crew. Um, So the Black Eagles are all nobles except for one person who is a commoner. The Blue Lions are a little bit of a mix between them. Um, More nobles than commoners, though, correct? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Dudu and Ash and maybe... I think Dudu and Ash are the two that aren't nobles. Yeah, and then uh, on the Golden Deer, almost everyone's a commoner with with two exceptions. Um, and Lorenz is one of those. And he is very, very uh, kind of like uppity and classist about it. Like, he sucks. Um, uh, and he is constantly belittling commoners, talking about what is expected of nobility and what he needs to accomplish as a noble. He hates Claude. Uh, he thinks that Claude is not like is not worthy of the position that he's going to get eventually and thinks that he deserves that spot and Ew. constantly makes it known. And it's mostly because of Claude's personality. Like Claude being an easygoing kind of laid back person does not fit the the very like strict rigid version of nobility that Lorenz has put in his own head and and seems to want to accentuate in every facet of his being. I was very worried about him being on the Golden Deer until I had one conversation with him that was pretty much like, you need to fucking stop, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. you suck and everyone hates you. Like, everyone in this class, everyone in this school thinks that you suck, both because you continue to like harass women and you keep belittling people who you think are below you. Like, that's not how the real world works, and you need to get your shit together. Yeah. And I don't know if that's worked yet, but I definitely did yell at him. Uh, so That's the thing. In Sylvain's scenes where it's you and him, you literally don't even have a dialogue option. You just shake your head no while frowning, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of great. Like, it's good that the game just, like, doesn't even let you condone it. Like, no, this is shit. Yeah. These guys are shit. In the case of Lorenz, it's, it's fascinating where, like, I could see growth happening eventually, uh, hopefully. I'm really i'm really keeping my fingers crossed for that um but yeah he, he's become surprising i really neglected him because i disliked him so much but he's become like a really strong force on my team um at least from like a battle standpoint yeah i mean sylvain's like middle of the road for me in terms of my team like he's a cavalier which is fine uh the the, the mvps are bernadetta ash and and annette uh, yeah the three of them just like obliterate everything that's awesome and to me like the house leader like the protagonists and the house leaders are always going to kind of carry the team yeah uh, but it's nice to see everyone kind of eventually get to the same point yeah and so it happens because it's a, such a smaller cast which is great yeah the only person that i haven't mentioned on my team that's left is uh somebody named leone who is a fascinating character uh who i'm trying to get to know at every fucking opportunity because when you first meet her she says hi I know your dad better than you do. I was his first apprentice. Uh, which oh, wow. Is, which is really fascinating because you don't know a lot about your dad. Your dad has been very yeah, close off. He's he's a mercenary who is now in this like gang of knights that works for the church. And she seems to actually know more about him than you do. Uh, she knew that he was one of these knights in the past. She knew that he used to work for the monastery. Uh, she knows all of these things that you don't know. And that just makes for like a really interesting dynamic between you and her. Um, specifically in that her driving force, kind of like Felix, is that she wants to be better than you. She wants to like prove herself as like the rightful child of this person. She doesn't want to just be better than you. She wants to replace you as as this person's child. Um, and that's a really weird and interesting uh, narrative 
kind of yeah. path to go down. So I've been uh, talking to her a lot. It's been very interesting. And I, I don't want to really spoil anything with her because eventually you'll find out. But she's very, very interesting. Um, and that's, that's, that's the really golden deer. Um, and, you know, we just talked for a really long time about your characters and my characters. And we could do that a third time with the Black Eagles if either of us had picked them. Uh, which I think just, yeah. again, goes to show how strong all the writing is. And really, like, reinforces the game's mechanic need to to want you to prevent their deaths at all costs, right? Like, the game yeah, like is... even a- Sylvain, I don't want to die. You know, right. I just want her to go away. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's interesting. I was thinking about uh, the one character who you said is like kind of uppity and is a noble. Uh, it's weird because it's like the inverse with Ash, where he's like one of the two commoners on the team, and he's constantly like bowing to Dimitri, and he's like, "Oh, my lord!" And Dimitri's like, "No, no, no! Like we're friends. Like you yeah. can talk to me. That's awesome. Like we're like we're pals. And like that's because he's so he loves stories of knights and chivalry and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he grapples with is like because he has grown up idolizing nobility and reading stories about them, seeing what actually happens in war is like very disturbing to him. I was just about to say the first, not mock battle, but the first actual battle that you have to go through where like there are people actually dying, like your students are helping to murder people. The next day after that, Ash is seen in the monastery praying for the lives of all the people it's that, so he had, sad. that he had yeah. to kill, that he and his his classmates had to kill. And it was like, I was amazed that nobody else was in that position, but I, I was really drawn to Ash in that moment, just like seeing him grieving for... Do you mind if I spoil something with him that happens early on? Uh, Sure, go for it. He so one of the earliest missions is you have to squash a rebellion that's led by the dude who raised him. Oh wow! So like he's like, I can't believe this is happening. Like I know this guy. Like he raised me to respect nobility, and I'm sure we could talk this out. And you obviously can't. And he's like, Yeah. They're like I can't. It's really, it's really sad. I think that's, I think that's the the mission after, which is cool that you're just getting him doing that. But yeah. I know why he's praying. That's awesome. Um, that's yeah. the kind of shit that makes this game so good. That's uh, exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, Ash is great. He's the the voice actor who does him is great too. Like yeah. he's just immediately endearing. It is worth mentioning while we're talking about voice acting that uh, there there's the English voice cast and there's also a Japanese voice cast that you can switch to. Um, I played through the first hour of the game with both just to see which one I liked more and have uh, fallen back on the English one, which I was kind of surprised by. But I, I really enjoy the voice cast. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, I rec- uh, we said before there's Morgana from Persona 5. Uh, I definitely hear some familiar voices. Yeah. Uh, I haven't like looked at... I'm not like super knowledgeable of voice actors, unfortunately, but... There's some good performances there, yeah. uh, especially with the leads. The, the three leads of the houses do a great job. Yeah. And it, it helps you kind of grow uh, fond of the characters right away because the delivery and the and all that is, is wonderful. Yeah. Um, I just want to go play it now, actually. I think. Yeah, me too. I feel like we should wrap up. I almost, I almost forgot. I went into a glaze and I forgot we were being recorded and this was a show and I'm like, is, is this because normally I have like a little bit of like, okay, like I know people are going to listen to this. I'm going to make it fun. This time I like completely, like I forgot I was in my room. Yeah. I just was like, then Ash idolizes nobility. It's a good mirror of Felix. Felix can, if you multi-class, <laughs> If you talk to Ingrid on the day she gives you a fish, catch a smaller one, go to the garden. Help me, Brendan. Um, this game rolls. It's wonderful. You should get it. Honestly, it's uh one of my favorite games in a long time. We talk we only talk about stuff we like on this show. This is the first time I have like unconsciously woken up early to play a game. Yeah, same like before work or before whatever I had to do that day. 
it's unreal. Uh, yeah. I, it's funny that we, we talked about like the last game that we had an entire episode conversation about, but the last time I felt this way about a game was Sekiro, and like this game has, I think, even deeper hooks into me than Sekiro Yeah, because, I mean, like, I, I love Sekiro. They're extremely different, but Sekiro, you eventually hit a wall where you're like, okay, I need a break. Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. this is so hard. I like It happened to me, uh, I'm at the Guardian Ape, and I'm just like, I... I'm tired of getting shit thrown at me by this thing. Uh-huh. And then it running around headless. Spoiler alert, uh, Guardian Ape Phase 2, Sekiro Chazza <laughs> twice. Yeah, but it's just good. It's great. Let's wrap up because, like, this is a four-hour episode about a game I've played 80 hours of in two days. Yep. Um, yeah. Hey, th- thank you so much to everybody who listened to this show. If you uh, if you really like it, please share it with a friend. That's the that's the best way to make it grow a little bit. Uh, we have a Twitter account. It's at Into the Cast. We have a Twitch account at Into the Cast. I streamed a little bit of Fire Emblem recently. Uh, we've been streaming a little bit more. I'm working on a much larger streaming thing, uh, which I'll talk about eventually. Uh, which should be Exciting. fun and dumb and weird. And uh, yeah, we have the Discord bit.ly/twgdiscord. You can find us there. I think I think uh, for those of you who listened all the way through to the end maybe worth mentioning uh we have had a bunch of people ask us uh if we are open to the idea of starting a patreon at some point i think the answer i think is yes like we are definitely open to that idea we haven't talked about it yet from like a logistical standpoint but i want to put the ask out to you the listeners uh what kind of rewards would you want from that like what kind of stuff do you enjoy getting from other podcasts that you back on patreon what what kind of what kind of stuff do you think would be worth it and uh yeah i'll I'll leave it at that i'm just i'm just kind of curious like what extra content you would want if any um if not then also cool let us know however you want um yeah we're definitely open to doing whatever uh i think it would definitely help us to have some guidance uh we are your students be our professor hey teach what do you want hey teach what do you want from us uh (laughs) (laughs) i am like almost scared to play it again because such bad shit is about to happen brenda that's really sad (laughs) Uh, I'm so excited for you. Cool. We'll yeah. probably talk about this game again too, just to circle back to that. Like, I think we'll probably have it maybe cause like, it's just nice to have a game that has such a rich story that we could just talk about that. Yeah. Um, I think we maybe once we're both farther in, we could do like a spoilery episode and talk about like how we like the story or whatever. Yeah. I think um, so too. I, I could see us talking about it more next week as we both get to the, um, second phase of the game outside of the monastery. Um, cause I imagine we will both be there by that point, but also there's other stuff we want to talk about. I have to talk about my Xbox. We have to talk about sky. Uh, there... <laughs> there's a lot of really cool shit that like, I like sky rules and I was so excited to talk about sky. And then three houses came out and like, yeah was just a black hole that sucked us yeah. both in. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, questions from the Discord we wanted to answer. There's, like, a lot going on that um, yeah. I, I guess we'll have to save for next episode. But Three Houses is an incredible game. Um, definitely one of my favorite of the year so far. You know, I have to get further into it. but um, It's lovely. It, it's nice. I mean, because, honestly, like, we took a, we took last, week off, last weekend off for a variety of reasons. But I also kind of took a bit of a break from video games. And, and there are times where I feel like we've talked about this in the Discord and in other episodes where it's like sometimes the pressure to keep up or like you might just not have the interest or, you know, you might find times in your life where you fall in and out. And it's nice to have a game that reminds you of what love about something. Yeah. And I, I feel that way so strongly with this. Not to say it's like my favorite game of all time, but like I just it's like, oh, this is why I've I've chosen to be so into this medium or be so into like talking about this stuff with you. It, it's nice to be reminded of that and have have that feeling that you think you only get when you're a little kid or like when 
you know, life feels more fresh. It's like, oh, no, there can still be, like, magical moments of experiences of, like, oh, I love this thing. This is great. Yeah. Uh, that's a little corny, but... Uh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. I completely yeah. feel that about this game. Um, especially coming from the perspective of, like, I have historically not liked this franchise, uh, and this game has <laughs> swept me off my feet, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I felt this way to a lesser degree with Awakening, but also the bar was set pretty low because I had no idea what the series was. And I was like, oh, wow, right. it's this. This is this is great. Yeah. Uh, and the bar was set pretty high, and it's even higher now. It's the future <laughs> of the franchise, okay? Okay. Hey, Pick um, a god and pray. <laughs> my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I am Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Uh, all hail the kingdom of Fargus. Oh, all right. Well... <laughs> Maybe not the best ending. I mean, hey, it beats the addressing empire, am I right? <laughs> hey, goodbye. Hey, I'm here all week. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. TWG, the worst garbage dot online.